Hello, folks, and welcome to the Sense and Theory podcast, where we cut through the bias and extremism in order to find common ground that brings us together. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today, hey, we're finally going to get around to that grab bag. Hey, right. Some of you guys might remember a couple episodes ago, we prepared this grab bag, had all these stories we wanted to come. We just talked Amazon about the Amazon rainforest. So so today, we're finally going to jump into that. Before we do, I uh, wanted to thank you guys again for all your, you know, reaching out to us on social media. Everybody who's, you know, listening to episodes every two weeks. All the support on Patreon has been awesome. I hope you guys are enjoying those bonus episodes. They've been really fun to put together. Look forward to putting they together have, more. They have. Actually, I listened to one uh, just a couple of days ago when we posted it, and it was fantastic. We were arguing uh, about drug legalization. We were really getting into it over it, and it was, yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, one thing I would like is uh, to hear from you guys about this whole Beanzo strike thing. Like, what do you guys think? I think it's been fantastic. Yeah. Since I think you're on the, board the too. The fact checking segment has elevated in leaps and bounds. Oh, absolutely. It's it's so much better than it used to be, and I it's starting to feel like a permanent fix. Is yeah. is, is yeah. what I'm thinking. So. Uh, without further ado, let's jump into our first story, which is an update. Because here on the Sense and Theory podcast, we don't leave you hanging, people. We come back to the stories we've covered before. And today, we're going to be talking about that sound weapon business down in Cuba. Now, we have excellent news. The sonic attack against American diplomats in Cuba and China that we previously told you about, they've figured out what it was, and it may not be as sinister as we originally thought. Studies of the recording that the Associated Press released and that we played for you here on the show that were allegedly of the sound that the diplomats heard turned out to be nothing more than the call of lovelorn Cuban crickets, according to experts who have finally analyzed all the recordings. That's right. So we don't know why those people reported dizziness Uh, vision and hearing loss, anxiety, trouble sleeping, headaches, nausea, and and all those pesky symptoms. Uh, It was crickets. Guys, there's nothing to see here but uh, crickets creaking. Yeah, yeah, it was just crickets doing their thing. Um, There is a couple things that we should probably mention, though, because there were some new developments that also happened in the intervening time period uh, that we haven't told you about yet. That's right. So uh, if you'll remember, uh, we reported that 25 staff members of the U.S. embassy embassy in Cuba reported the symptoms of what's since been dubbed Havana syndrome. They Uh, they called it Havana syndrome. It's just crickets. It's just crickets. It was made somewhat awkward when a diplomat at the U.S. embassy in China came down with the same symptoms. So Happening in two different places. He brought those crickets they, over on traveling the Traveling crickets. Yeah, right, it's just like five old, five old came like to America. Bugs, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out uh, it was also actually north of 40 members in Cuba and 15 staff members at the Chinese embassy that reported similar symptoms. Oh, and it, well, it turns out that an additional 15 staff members of the Canadian embassy in Cuba reported the same symptoms around the same time. Those Mm, crickets were really creaking. I I think we also ought to mention that a study of 40 of the government employees in Havana who reported symptoms has recently concluded. We know the results. Um, According to University of Penn's published findings, There are significant differences in white matter volumes among many patients, as well as lower functional connectivity in the auditory and visual parts of the brain when we compare against a 48-person control group. So, guys, I guess what they're saying is uh, if you live in a neighborhood with a lot of noisy crickets, just wear your earplugs at night. You better do something. You won't suffer brain damage. (laughs) In fairness, uh, with that study, there is debate about whether or not uh, these areas that they've identified, whether or not it constitutes trauma. But, you know, the articles I was reading, it got really weird because the people who were like, no, 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 it's totally crickets. We're getting real broad with the, you know, the definition of trauma. They were like, well, we're not sure that it's trauma. It doesn't necessarily meet the criteria (laughs) for traumatic brain injury. And meanwhile, the people at the University of Pennsylvania is like, we're just saying it's different. Their brains have been altered. Okay, that's all we're saying. So uh, that is interesting. And we promise that as more crickets, you know, chirp and run people's brains all over the world, we will continue to bring you developments here don't, on the Don't Sense forget of those earplugs either, folks. If it gets noisy this fall, just uh, remember, <laughs> keep them by your bedside. We, we want your brains intact. <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to talk about today, uh, Nancy Pelosi has called for uh, laws to be passed to indict sitting presidents. Mm. So in an interview with NPR recently, Speaker Pelosi said, quote, I do think that we will have to pass some laws that will have clarity for future presidents. 
A president should be indicted if he's committed a wrongdoing. Any president. Uh, she said there's nothing any place that says the president should not be indicted. That's something cooked up by the president's lawyers. That's what that is. Uh, she is right on that last count. The basis for the Justice Department's position on whether or not a sitting president can be indicted stems from a Nixon-era opinion issued by the Office of Legal Counsel. So totally un- not based in any sort of law, just well, just this just this legal brief that his that his team came up with. In in, a, in well, it's 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 weird to say that. Because here's it, the thing. I, I, I wait a second here. I, I feel like you've got a gotcha ready for me because you always do in these cases. Because uh, I don't know as much about the history and stuff, but it seems like to me, if a president commits a crime, right, we should indict him. There should be no one in the United States who is functionally above the law. So all of this makes perfect sense on its face to me. I'm going, yes, Nancy Pelosi, you are right. We should indict. If we have enough evidence, Mm -hmm. we should make an indictment and try a president criminally for his criminal actions. Absolutely. 100%. No question. Well, I will say this. I want to back up for just a second. You said no, no basis in law. So the deal is the, the justice department's office of legal counsel issued an opinion saying this is the way that we're going to deal with it unless otherwise advised. Sure. Right. So, so in effect, well, the same way Obama's legal counsel said that they were going to uh, usurp Congress and declare war anyway. Well, that's in the same way that the EPA makes regulations, right? Like we've ceded some power to the executive branch and how they administer their duties. Right. So, I mean, that's part of it. So it's, no, it's not a law that was passed by Congress or it's not something that you'll find in the constitution, but under our present system, that's how a lot of things get decided. And I'm one of the people that say that it shouldn't be decided that way. Nancy Pelosi is one of the people that say it should. Anyway, uh, but no, I don't, I don't have a gotcha here. It's just um, I happen to agree uh, with the ruling because I think you'd be mad to indict a sitting president. Here's the thing. Here's what bugs me about what Nancy's doing here. Nancy's saying that we need a law to indict a sitting president. Well, you can absolutely indict someone who's not a sitting president. And if Nancy would just go ahead and impeach Mr. Trump, <laughs> then we could absolutely indict him. Right. Well, don't you have to have the, the evidence to, uh, are the standards for impeachment, uh, more stringent or less stringent, Way than less the stringent. Stand, standards for indictment, way less stringent. Congress mm. can impeach the president because they think he's a bad guy. Mm, I mean, that's, that's enough. what it boils down to. Right. So so what she wants, though, is is she's in a wedge right now. Right. And I'm not saying that she necessarily is saying we should pass this law to get her out of her current predicament. But I think she's looking at her situation. She feels like if she goes for the impeachment, she's going to hurt Democratic chances come the next election. Especially if they fail. And yeah, well, especially if they fail. And in her mind, if I had this indictment. Well, then, yeah, I'd be covered. I Well, he's been indicted. We should obviously impeach. And then, you know, you go impeach. But. But I want you to think that through. Under what circumstances would a president be indicted and not immediately get impeached? Uh, I can imagine none. If there's enough evidence to indict him for a, right. for a crime. But that's not that's not the idea behind indictments in this country, right? You're innocent until proven sure. guilty. An indictment that, is just saying there's enough evidence. That would absolutely fly to, in the face of, of but innocent until proven guilty. In our current society, do you see Barack Obama getting indicted and Republicans not starting impeachment proceedings the next day? Uh, no, of course not. So I think I think it, it sucks on that count. And then I also, uh, you know, go again, going back to the, the Nixon opinion, um, I also agree that it, you would so mess up the president's ability to perform his job if he was under indictment, that that's the reason we have impeachment in the constitution, because if he's under indictment, how is he going to go negotiate with like world leaders? Think of You thought the OJ Simpson trial was bad. Think about the president being Plus, indicted. Like, his entire schedule is like broadcast to the world and pub, public court records. Like he's going to be in the courtroom Friday at, yeah. at four o'clock oh, yeah. till nine o'clock and possibly later, depending on how the investigation goes. Now's the time to attack guys. Not like, to mention like, you know, we think it's nuts now. Imagine when like, you know, the left and the right are, you know, hashing this case out every single day. Cause they will. Yeah. Every single day. I guess I also see this as, as an unnecessary seeding of power back to the executive, right? Right. Because you're handing this to the DOJ, this power to to indict the president. Yeah. And now the executive's policing itself. I I think the whole one of the whole reasons behind these these separation of powers is checks and balances. And right. and the legislative in this case has the power to impeach. Uh that is their check on the executive. 
Yeah. Um, why why hand that over to the executive? Like you said, it's yeah. it's easier to well, impeach a president than it is to indict him. I'm sure I'm sure so, she would make the she would make the case that she's not. Well, you know, we're keeping we're keeping impeachment and stuff. And it's like, well, Nancy, the only reason, like in what world is a president worthy of being indicted? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like in worthy what of world? being indicted and not impeached. Right. So, and in so fact, there should imagine, be an impeachment. Imagine we get there to the point where like we have indicted a sitting president. He looks completely guilty. All the evidence is there. And Congress goes, nah, we're not going to impeach. <laughs> he's, he's, he's still good on the economy. <laughs> Talk I mean, about yeah. above the law. I mean, yeah, we've kind of cemented it in there. No, I, 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 I completely agree with you. And I think this is yet another case of Congress, which this is a trend that I think has done more damage to the country, uh, you know, over the last hundred years than anything else. Congress ceding power when, when Congress is supposed to be the supreme governing body of our country right and they are you know i mean within the checks and balance system but they are like the big dogs and here we go again ceding power in order to enable them to be more electable well, and maintain power i think know? it's easy to do that in the face of this huge republican majority um i think when we're when we're so embroiled in team sports we feel like we've got no chance uh impeaching a president when when they yeah. have the majority yeah. when republicans have the majority so like you know, how do you how do you get around that? I don't know, man. Well, I think I, if if you're right, OK, if you're your your idea that the president currently sitting needs to be impeached, whether you're on the left and the right and whoever's got the majority, um, you should be able to make the case uh, to the American people. And if you're right, then if you have one party in the Senate, you know, Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, in this case, who's obstructing that justice and they should definitely see the effects of the polls next you'd time think, it comes around. You'd think, but here we are in Kentucky and, and I don't think anyone thinks Mitch has a chance of, of losing yet again for some odd reason, you know, because, yeah. because can, I don't know, man, people are caught up in well, the team sports, but you don't, they're afraid of losing, losing ground to the, the atheist godless, uh, left, yeah. you know? And I, I mean, but you don't I, necessarily, you don't necessarily have to knock Mitch out to minimize the power of the Republican. You know what I'm saying? You could still use them obstructing an impeachment proceeding to regain the legislature. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, whether Mitch McConnell makes it back or not, I, I, I think that they're afraid to make those fights. They're afraid to stand on principle. That's that's the kind of stuff that they're afraid of. And I'll tell you what, as much as I might disagree with her, that is where my hat goes off to people like uh, Casio-Cortez or, or Tlaib. Or just saying, impeach, impeach, or, impeach. Or even Justin Amash, who, who actually, that was uh, Justin Amash's response to this, was exactly what we're saying. He's like, uh, Nancy, you have the ability to impeach. Let's just impeach. Yeah. So there you go. A former Republican is sitting there saying, I'm I'm ready to impeach right now. Let's go yeah, do let's it. Let's go. You know? Yeah. So. But then there's that all-consuming fear that if they move to impeach and they don't find the evidence they need and they can't convince yeah. enough of Congress that they're going to look like they completely screwed the pooch. This is yet another, you know, assassination attempt on, you know, character assassination attempt on Trump and yeah. and it strengthens the Republican Party. Well, if you don't have another if you years. don't have evidence and you think it's in doubt, then maybe <laughs> maybe you shouldn't try to impeach. Which is exactly what Nancy, where Nancy Pelosi's head is at, right? Because yeah. she says she does not support Trump's impeachment, uh, but says she is supportive of the Judiciary Committee's investigation <laughs> to determine whether or not to re recommend articles of impeachment. Yeah, that's and what we need. she's not strayed from that position. That's, that's, that's where she's been that's the whole time. What we time. need on Russia is more investigation. Woof. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of criminal proceedings. Uh, you want to bang on the justice system or, or, I guess, law enforcement some more? My favorite topic. All right, sweet. Uh, a man charged with robbery in Oregon is trying to dismiss his case after police admitted to photoshopping the mugshot used by witnesses to identify him. That's right. So police digitally removed facial tattoos and darkened the skin tone of 50-year-old <laughs> Tyrone Lamont Allen before they put his picture in a mugshot lineup to be shown to witnesses. Yeah, after releasing surveillance footage of the suspect in a string of bank robberies in 2017, police in Oregon received a tip that Mr. Allen was the culprit. The only problem was none of the eyewitnesses nor the footage itself indicated that the suspect had the extensive facial tattoos that Mr. Allen does. It is of note that one teller described a faded neck tattoos. So police decided, hey, let's just uh, Photoshop this 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 guy. We're, we're pretty sure we yeah. got the guy. Uh, two of the four tellers from the robberies then picked Mr. Allen out of the mugshot lineup. 
Uh, one actually identified a different man and the fourth couldn't decide. So a federal judge is now tasked with deciding whether police went too far and whether any of that is admissible. As if, to me, there's any question (laughs) of whether that should be admissible. Well, don't get me wrong. The DA's office is arguing that they believe Mr. Allen was wearing some sort of makeup to conceal his tattoos. And if anything, obscuring his tattoos allowed him to blend into the suspect pool and not stand out. Right. So So I guess they're saying that this guy was like, I'm visible here. Let me put some makeup on. Yeah. And uh, no one will be able to identify him. Here's the thing. I've seen the pictures of Mr. Allen, and I have also seen the surveillance footage from the banks. It looks like that guy just without the facial tattoos. The question, you know, so 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 here's here's I guess the question we have to ask. I think we all automatically, when we hear that I hope that we all automatically feel sick when we hear that the cops are photoshopping pictures of people to make them look more like a suspect, but in the case where a suspect knew he had distinguishing features and put makeup over his face. Well, what happens? You I don't know? know, man. What we could say, maybe he dyed his hair. So we're going to go ahead and Photoshop this guy to have red hair. Oh, I know. Like, yeah. I, where does it stop? The lawyer brought up, uh, oh, brought no, the up lawyer, the case. The there lawyer would presumably be nothing wrong with adjusting various pixels to make someone's face appear slimmer. So long as the government's theory was the suspect had gained weight since the crime. Yeah. And you can't, you can't really argue with that, man. This is yeah. a whole can of worms where uh, we just talked about how flawed the justice system was in our death penalty episode. Well, and in particular, and forensic evidence. Near, right, and forensic yeah. evidence. It damn yeah. near brought me to tears. Yeah. If we are allowing biased-ass police employees <laughs> yeah. to Photoshop pictures in lineups, like, I don't care how many we we get right. The number we get wrong if we start doing that is going to be absurd. We well, are going... And- no, we're good. They will. They will yeah. start photoshopping their guy to look more like whatever evidence they have. It's, yeah, and, and I think that's the bigger problem. I think that's what Mr. Allen's attorney is kind of is kind of touching on is is that it's it's not even necessarily uh, the idea of photoshopping the faces. It's that now you have entered the realm where in your mind it is permissible. To bend the evidence a little oh, bit sure. to make it fit better because creatively because nonetheless. This, this pesky truth over here got in the way of your your uh, reconstruction of and, the events. And let me know? be clear, it is a pesky truth that yeah. we can conceal our, di- our 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 identities. Right. But if the guy's wearing a mask, is it okay to Photoshop him to look like Ross Perot? Yeah. Because he's no. wearing a Ross Perot mask. Like like no, that's there are some common sense steps that we just. We shouldn't make. And and to me, the fact that this is even going before the courts is absurd. Yeah. Like, I feel like any judge worth his salt should toss that out and go like, no, no, I'm sorry, guys, you cannot behave this way. Well, hopefully the judge feels the same way, because here's the bad news. The judge's decision could have far reaching implications. As during the hearing on this evidence, forensic criminalist Mark Weber stated those experts. Yeah. Stated that he had painted over other suspects' tattoos before in the same manner and didn't even file reports on it because the department does not require it. They don't even have to make a note of things when they do this. Mm. So he's been, you know, in Oregon at least, and I'm sure it's the rest of the country. They've oh, been yeah. doing this for quite some time. Yeah, so it's it's kind of here scary, we go again man. with forensic evidence and darkening don't trust his skin it. tone. Yeah. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. So uh, from crappy cops in Oregon, we moved to a crappy cop in Louisiana. Um, two police officers in Gretna, Louisiana, have been fired over a Facebook post that suggested Ocasio-Cortez should be shot. That's right. Charlie Rispoli, a member... Rispoli? I'm, I'm going to go with Rispoli. Rispoli. Uh, a member of Gretna Police Department for 14 years posted on his page that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was a vile idiot who needs, quote, a round, and I don't mean the kind she used to serve. Uh, Straight up saying a politician should be shot, and this was in response to a fake, well, okay, satirical, who can tell the difference (laughs) these days, uh, news story that he shared from the site Tater's uh, gonna Tater's Tate. gonna Tate. Yeah, that bastion of, of journalistic integrity. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was a totally made up quote from AC, AOC saying we pay soldiers too much, and and he posted back and said she deserves to be shot. Yeah. I, I, I think I think I think the real yeah. the real tragedy here is that Charlie Rispoli uh, took Tater's gonna Tate 
as chapter and verse. Isn't that that the bigger story here? Like, (laughs) I think think we have to look at this and say, like, was it a credible threat? And maybe even not. I mean, the police department can fire anyone for for conduct unbecoming of an officer. And I'm glad that they did. He'll probably be hired up in Kentucky or Virginia Mm -hmm. next week because that's how they like to roll. Well, but at at least they fired him. We should also mention his fellow officer, Angelo Verisco, was also fired by the Gretna Police Department for having liked the post. Having liked <clears throat> his comment. See, this this grates me. This 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 <laughs> this rubs me the wrong way. Because ordinarily I'd be like, man, you like a post on social media, that's pretty protected speech. But we're talking about essentially murdering a, a, a standing representative. Yeah. Like that's it's pretty messed up. And he, he didn't say I'm gonna shoot her. Actually, he, here's 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 the thing. So I, I'll mention really quickly that uh, Police Chief Arthur Lawson was quoted by the Washington Post as saying, uh, "This incident we feel has been an embarrassment to our department. Uh, these officers have certainly acted in a manner which was unprofessional, alluding to a violent act be conducted against a sitting U.S. Congresswoman, a member of our government, and we are not going to tolerate that." Good. So. Much like you said, if I run the Gretna Police Department, I am completely on board and cool with letting these guys go. Um, other than that, I'm not going to get too bent out of shape out over it. You seem to be upset with people voicing uh, the fact that they think a bullet needs to be put into their representative. I say that sounds like healthy democracy. To me. <laughs> uh, you know. I mean, you're 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 kind of right. I just feel like in this climate, man. Where you've got where you've got Antifa shooting up ice, and you've got Proud Boys, yeah. and you've got all these all these factions that are like on the verge of violence, you know, it's it's just a tough place to be when people are saying these people should be shot. The next logical step is for someone to go shoot them, yeah. and I don't think that's a healthy way to deal with problems. Now, do I think it's healthy to put people in jail for saying? You know, I think this person doesn't deserve to live like not necessarily. I think we get mad and we say things out of anger. Yeah. But there's some sort of happy medium. And maybe we're at it. You know, maybe yeah. this is the happy medium where the police department goes. This is unbecoming of our department. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't work here. Yeah. You know, maybe that is. See, the that's healthy- what to me, the biggest thing about this is if I am somebody who's running a police department uh, in the United States in 2019, uh, I don't want any of the people who work for me talk about talking about putting a bullet in anybody willy-nilly right it does it doesn't matter if it's ocasio cortez or the person who cut him off in traffic today or uh, an immigrant that they're arresting yeah yeah let's not be let's not talk about being free with our bullets you know but but outside of that like that's what i'm kind of saying i mean i think it's a it's like they said conduct unbecoming um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot of people made a big deal. Oh, it's a, you know, it's a death threat against Ocasio-Cortez and, 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 you know, she's got a fear for her life. And I'm not saying that she don't get a lot of. Oh, I'm sure she gets tons of death I'm threats. I'm sure she man. gets tons of death threats. I'm sure they do. And I'm sure much, much uh, more explicit than this one as well. You know, at the same time, you know, we go back a little bit. People used to actually take politicians that they didn't like, put them on a rail, turn, feather them and run them out of town. <laughs> And I'm not completely unsure that we shouldn't do that, at least in some <laughs> Yo, regard. Why, why did we stop? Nowadays, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, I... I don't know. This is on the heels of of the Plainview Project, which is a nonprofit who published its investigations into 3,500 police officers' social media posts. Uh, in Philly alone, it prompted 72 officers to be pulled from street duty, with 13 set to be fired for violent, racist, or homophobic posts. So, like, yeah. this is a... a it's a thing that's happening. Yeah. You know, it's a thing that's been identified, man. No, absolutely. And, Police and don't officers forget. behaving in ways that belie the public trust. Yeah. Well, we also had the, uh, the incident back in July with, uh, the, what is it? The, I'm 1015 Facebook group. What is that? Uh, that means like a, alien in custody or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. It's like, a bunch of CBP agents and they all had a group and, uh, you know, they had 70 confirmed current CBP officers and 9,500 members. But, uh, and apparently this group was just full of like racist and lewd comments about immigrants and Ocasio-Cortez Democrats. And, and Ilan Omar and, yeah. you know, and everybody else. And, and I tell you what, man, if you are the head of the CBP, it does not behoove you to have members of your of your forces engaging in this kind of political rhetoric in this political climate. So I hope yeah. all of them were fired too. Well, it, like I said, I'm, I'm torn a little bit on it. Here's the deal. Like, no, I don't think that if you're a public servant like that or, or if you work for the government, 
uh, it's necessarily a good look for you to be on social media saying all types of ignorant bullshit. At the same time, I, I'm a little worried um, from a cultural standpoint. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a legal issue, but I'm worried from a cultural standpoint with how deeply uh, places and people want to dig into people's social media histories and then try to use that against them later on. You well, know? here's the thing, man. If you're using social media and your profile is public and... Well, let's not forget, 1015 was a private group. Well, you know? a private group open to the public. I mean, anyone could join, and I assume they decide. They have 9,500 members, and only, what, 70 of them were confirmed current CBP officers. So you got to imagine, yeah, like... The big majority of the rest were... It's, that's, that's not what I mean by private. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, if you're making posts on your private Facebook, Facebook page that's only open to your friends, here mm-hmm. is a group that allows people in. If a journalist can be allowed into that group and see what you've posted, then that's somewhat public. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's it may be a small public square, but it's still yeah. a public square. People are being allowed in. You are representing then the CBP. Uh, you know, if you're a known member of, of, of Customs and Border Patrol and you're spouting political nonsense about, uh, you know, killing Elon Omar, or, uh, putting bullets in AOC or, or, you know, how immigrants deserve to get beat up and their roaches. And, you know, I don't know exactly what was said, so, but we can all imagine exactly well, what was said. Like if you are in, I'd feel the same way about. I do feel the same way about the police officer groups who were infiltrated and found to be talking all sorts of shit about civilians and how they were, you know, they were bugs. And is this only if you have a public sector job? I I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I think private sector is a little bit different. We don't have as much interest in, in monitoring and policing private sector employees. I think that the company absolutely does. If, if GE decides like, Oh, we found these Facebook posts and we really don't like this, then yeah, you let them go. No, no, no. But what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm talking about like, um, from you, like your standpoint, legality is, is outside for a second. How would you feel if, uh, Google let an employee go, uh, because of, you know, racist and homophobic remarks? Mm. Um, you know, generally made made I, on their social media. Generally, yeah. I would absolutely support their right to to hire or fire whoever they wanted. Right, right. Um, whether I agreed with it or not, much the same way I was with James Damore. Yeah, like Google has every right to let this guy go. I think it's kind of scummy. Yeah, I think it it made it made Google's uh, position as a company clear. Yeah. Um, but you know, as far as my personal agreement or disagreement, I'm, I'm neither hot nor cold. I'm yeah. like, yeah, well, no, that's kind of, that's, I'm, I'm sort of in the same position. It's just, there's, there's one little like caveat, like I agree. And, and largely, you know, if, even if we, uh, let's say Hobby Lobby decided to let go of someone who, you know, was pro-abortion and out there mm-hmm. campaigning, you know, uh, Hobby Lobby has a choice to do whatever they want. Google has a choice to do whatever they want. What I'm saying is I'm from one person to another, like, you know, on a, on a personal basis, talking to the people who are listening to the show. Guys, we, we might want to watch like this tendency of ours to to dig back through years and years of people's social media posts and then hold them to the standard of to, you know, I mean, it, it's I don't know, man, it's well, you're playing if, with fire. If some of these posts were like 10 years ago, I might have. You know, I might have a different view if if this guy had posted about AOC, you know, a decade ago, like and now he's now he's a police officer. I I don't think I'd you know, I don't think I'd be so hot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, you know, it's a tough one all the way around. I think one that we will have a little bit easier time with is do you remember do you remember a guy named Beto O'Rourke? No, who's who's Beto? Yeah, well, it turns out, crazy thing, there's this guy from Texas, right? I already lost Ted Cruz. Uh, he's going to run <laughs> for president. And uh, he's... Oh, uh, he's that guy that's polling abysmally low, right? Yeah, well, I, I think he's, he's picked up a little steam now. We do give Beto a hard time. But uh, Beto has recently been in the news because at the third Democratic presidential debate on September 12th, uh, Better O'Rourke was asked to confirm his intention to implement a mandatory gun buyback program if elected. That's right. And O'Rourke responded in an attempt to get the world record for number of AR-15s sold with a single statement. <laughs> 
Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Oh, yeah. So responding in real time on Twitter, Texas State Legislator Briscoe Kane, which if you're going to come to the defense of gun rights, <laughs> Briscoe and, you to, Kane. and you had to pick a name, <laughs> Briscoe Kane might be the name you'd pick, uh, tweeted, my AR is waiting for you, Robert Francis. Robert Francis being the legal name of Beto O'Rourke. And it's it's waiting for you right under his 10-gallon hat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Maybe even 20 gallons. Uh, as soon as he tweeted that, you know, Twitter blew up. Uh, Beto, actually, after the debate, uh, you know, he, he came on Twitter and he said, uh, that sounds like a death threat to me, Representative. You know, that's exactly why we need to take guns from you. And actually... Two people from Beto O'Rourke's campaign actually reported that incident to the FBI. Yeah, and I think lots of Twitter users reported the tweet, um, and and two hours later, the tweet was down. We can't yeah. tell whether Twitter took it down. Yeah, Mother Jones says Twitter took, it, took down. it down. Some people say he took it down, but at any rate, the tweet came down. So to me, you got to ask yourself, again, is this a credible threat? And I say, hell no, it's <laughs> not a credible threat, man. No. We got to go back to the Declaration of Independence, which says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. And to me, taking your guns <laughs> is is the first sign of that tyranny. Yeah. And, and when he says, my AR-15 is waiting for you, that is to say, if you come in my house, Robert, yeah. I will shoot you. Yeah. Which is his legal right. No, what was it? I, I think the best take that I saw the entire time on Twitter was somebody was like, that's a death threat. They're like, Beto, hell yes, we'll take your AR-15 as a death threat. Like from from where gun owners are coming from, like like you said, it's the first step in tyranny. Right. It's the first step in, yeah, we're going to take your guns and then you'll do whatever the hell you want because we have monopoly of force. That's right. You know? That's absolutely right. And so, and to me, okay, let, let's be let's be serious for a second because because Briscoe is kind of crossing the line taking Beto's statement as a direct. So he responds to Beto as if Beto was going to be the one coming to take the yeah, guns, yeah. right? Which to me is a little disingenuous because it's not. Yeah. We all know if someone was going door to door, it'd be, they'd either send the police. If they were smart, they'd send foreign like NATO troops or something, you know, yeah. troops that had no ties to the community because uh, that yeah. makes it a lot easier. Same that they did down in Katrina when they were going door to door and taking weapons. It was UN troops, not US troops because that would be really hard to convince. Was it really? It was yeah, UN troops? Absolutely. Katrina? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, door to door. Door to door. Um, anyway, that's that's for maybe another episode. But my point is, is like no one here was really being, uh, <laughs> you know, fully with it. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Briscoe, man, it's a bad idea to just to just put your balls on the table like that. No, I, you, and, I, and Beto, it's a well, I kind of thank him for putting his balls on the table like that, because now no one can say those liberals aren't trying to take your guns. You're crazy. Yeah, well, no, sorry. You guys came out and said it. You blew your wad. We know you're trying to take the guns. Oh, no, they're excited That's about the it. end goal. His, uh, his campaign uh, said that they had their strongest uh, fundraising hour after he uh, said that. I believe it. And then the next hour, they said it was even bigger than the hour before. Because it's know? the truth, so, man. Well, it's because there's a lot of people. Who there's a lot of people who want to see the guns up. gone. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't want to tell you to your face that that they want to take your guns, but now we know. At the same time, while I think it's unnecessary and doesn't accomplish anything, no, I'm completely cool with Briscoe doing it. The same way I was completely cool with the guy. You know, like I said, he, uh, uh, Charlie Rispoli should have lost his job, but I'm okay with people telling the government, hey, there's a line. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. I, I yeah, think you, I am you can too. get yeah. up there and you can say all your stuff, but I just want you to know there is a line. Right. And know? I think, and I think people on the left should should recognize that they have lines too for exactly. all these people who are yeah. talking about children in cages yeah 
and and ice overreach, mm-hmm. there's a line there too for you guys. I promise. Yeah. Unless you're that guy who will shock the shit out of the prisoner over and over just because you were told it's okay to. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Unless you're that guy, unless you're the 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 willing idiot in the Nazi, you know, in the Nazi oh, world. Yeah, in the that, what is it, Stanford experiment? That, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I think everyone has their line when it comes to to government overreach. And I think if we pr- start pretending like we don't, then we're really in for it. Yeah. Then we open ourselves up for real trouble because now we've we've taken away the means to fight back against overreach, you know, socially, yeah. societally. And I, I, I think I think it was actually awfully disingenuous on O'Rourke and, and the people who, you know, I mean, people report people on Twitter every day or whatever. But like for O'Rourke to come back and be like, oh, this is a death. This threat is a stuff, death. Threat. It's like, Beto, you, you know, the spirit in which he said it. And you know what I mean? Like, he said he said his 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 God given name. Clearly, that is if you come, if you personally come to take my guns, my yeah. my gun is waiting for you. Like, yeah, that's not a death threat at all. Because Beto ain't about shit. Let me tell you, <laughs> about as thick as a glass of water up there. Well, in other news, as far as taking guns, some of those red flag laws uh, that we previously discussed on the show and that Trump's a big fan of, some of those have already taken effect. And we've actually got two stories here about a red flag law in Oregon and a red flag law in Connecticut. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's kind of go over these. Uh, on July 20th of this year, Shane Cofield, a former Marine living in Portland, Oregon, joined a protest outside the mayor's house over the city's handling of the violent demonstrations that have plagued Portland in recent years. And we're talking about... Antifa and the Proud Boys, you know, I mean, you're almost seeing them every week now. Yeah, Portland has really become like ground zero for this standoff between fascists and anti-fascists. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, on at least on the right, uh, there is a strong belief that the city of Portland is holding the police back from getting involved in these confrontations. Well, and and I think this stems back to when Andy got the milkshake thrown at him. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Well, before that, but but, yeah, but that's where I think that's where people decided like, Hey, the mayor's in on this. Although he, he was out of town during that. He came back and said, well, I wasn't even in town when this happened. And, and he did state pretty clearly that the city of Portland does not support violence of any of any form, whether it's coming from Antifa or whether it's coming from the Proud Boys. Yeah, um, I just want to clear clear and, that. Well, up and just to put a fine point on it, it's we're talking about Andy No, who is a uh, kind of like a Gonzo right wing journalist. He sure. just you know does his own thing, and it was a little bit more than milkshake. He got his ass beat. He did uh, I in mean, the he, middle yeah, of it. Yeah. That's true. You're right. Yeah. He was he was busted up real good. He yeah. had a nice black eye and and bloodied. So anyway, so this this guy, Shane Cofield, at a protest out in front of the mayor's house, uh, takes to a megaphone and says, if Antifa gets to the point where they start killing us, I'm going to kill them next. I'd slaughter them, and I have a detailed plan on how I would wipe out Antifa. This is this is not a good look. Like it's not. If, on 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 the one hand, though, I go back to defense, and he's saying. Uh, you know, if they get to the point where they start killing us, then we'll yeah. start killing them. And and I tend to agree. If anyone gets to the point where they start killing me, yeah, I'm going to start killing you. It's it's an aggressive statement, but it's a fairly okay statement until you get to I have a detailed right. plan. I'd slaughter them, <laughs> and I have a detailed plan on how I'd wipe out Antifa. So yeah. that prompted the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force to seize his weapons under Oregon's red flag laws and have him committed to a VA hospital in Portland. Um, and and I think it's important to note that he wasn't charged with any crimes. Wasn't even accused of right. any crimes. This yeah. is all just part of the part of the red flag law in action. Um, I also have to note that he was already on the FBI's radar for something I perceive as far more egregious than these <laughs> yeah. statements in front of the mayor's house. Um, he sent a letter to Texas Representative Dan Crenshaw earlier in the year And uh, according to the Oregonian, uh, it said that Cofield told Crenshaw that Congress needed to take immediate steps to declare Antifa a terrorist organization. Otherwise, he and other veterans would have no choice but to begin systematically killing Antifa members until we have achieved genocide. (laughs) Cofield included a detailed outline of how he would carry out the mission, which he argued would be legally justified if the federal federal government refused to act. He apparently has a plan for that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's the no, right I mean, wing Harris. I mean, we make fun. It's, it's over here. no, it's terrible. I mean, it sounds like you know a mass shooting in the making. I, you know, on one hand, it's it's like you say. I mean, he is 
it's kind of weird because he's saying he he is taking whether you agree with him or not about what's happening in Portland. This man is clearly under the the idea the belief that Antifa is attacking people violently in the streets and the federal government is doing nothing to protect mm. them. And he's saying, if you guys don't step in, we are going to start defending ourselves. So looking but back to say the declaration of, of, well, right. That's <laughs> yeah. my point. Is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point you can perceive a threat and you can say you will defend yourself against the threat. At the point where you say, anyone who is a member of Antifa will be genocided. You've stepped across all the lines all at once. (laughs) Um, These are innocent Antifa members or criminal Antifa members. They are the ones who have, have thrown the milkshake, quote unquote, beat Andy no up and the ones who haven't like you've clearly, you've clearly crossed the line. And, and to me, this is an illustration of, of red flag laws working. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy who might have showed up or who had planned to show up at the next protest with a rifle slung over his shoulder. Yeah. He stated that was his intention. And and clearly, if Antifa had hit someone with a brick or maybe even punched someone in the face, perhaps he starts shooting at them and we have our next mass shooting. So, well, th- actually, let me let me. It is what he said he was going to do, and then it's not what he said he was going to do. We do. We do. <laughs> Clear we, that up for We me. have to be fair to Mr. Cofield. So. Cofield said he was placed under psychiatric observation for five days. Uh, he said that he then volunteered to remain at the VA hospital for another two weeks. That's pretty telling. Upon signing himself out, Cofield told reporters he never planned to hurt or maim anybody. He said, I figured that the key to de-escalating the situation was not to be the most violent person in the room. It was to be the scariest person <laughs> in the room, which I don't know about that logic. Uh, but he said he understands. Sorry, why th- sorry. <laughs> we get it. He said he understands why the police did what they did. He said, I looked unhinged. I look dangerous and I have the training to be dangerous. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he gets it in hindsight, but I, I do think, um, I do think that there is something um, that we still need to, you know, something to be said. We need to take pause and look at this. He wasn't accused of anything. He wasn't charged of anything and his guns were taken and he was committed. Now in this case, it seems like it was good. But they have that power. They that's, do. They do have that power. You know? And here's the thing: like they took his guns, and as far as I know, these red flag laws are all temporary, right? So they take your guns for a period of time, and you get them back unless the court continues to decide you're an ongoing threat. And right. and and you don't have a criminal record that follows you forever. Mm-hmm. It's not like you never get to own a gun again. Um, there is. You know, and we'll talk about another case that's more of an intrusion on privacy. But to me, this is red flag laws done right, right? Yeah. This guy was like, I have a plan to genocide Antifa <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I've got the guns to do it. And he told everyone, he told, he told representatives, you know, I mean, yeah. to me, if you can't take the guns from that guy, mm-hmm. then, then who, who could we ever take the guns from? You know, I know what I'm saying? I, like, I know it seems nitpicky and I know it seems like the just, other a, just a formality, but what I'm asking for is I think we have to charge him. We have to charge him with something. Oof. Really? Yeah. Because now you're asking, because I mean, then you're like punishing him for his freedom of speech. I don't know, man. So <laughs> wait a minute, though. I mean, that is ultimately what we're doing, right? Well, I we don't know are, if it's as is... much of a punitive punishment, right? It's like a slow down. It's like a wait. Let's look at this, you know. And he, he could have been out of the out of the hospital even earlier if he didn't decide to stay there. So, I don't know. Having your property confiscated five days in a under psychiatric observation and basically being perp walked. Because you know it was in the paper. That's that's a bit of a punishment. It yeah. is. You're right for I something mean, it, that he said. For something and that and, he said. and I get it. What he said was. I mean, even he said he looked unhinged, and he gets why the cops did it. Again, it's it's one of those things where, right now, this is the case I've got, which is Shane Cofield. I'm just pointing out that without accusing him of doing anything other than speaking his mind, they were able to do this. I I think I think you could have charged him here. I mean, I think you, for making a plan to genocide a group of people, uh, I think you could have charged him. I think you, he got off easy. You think you you think you should be able to charge people for making a plan to commit genocide? Absolutely. You think so? Absolutely, man. Man, I yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. You don't know? I mean, I, I can't even believe like someone not 
thinking like why not like i can see i oh, yeah. lord i mean like what else would you plan on i mean what else would you make illegal to think i mean <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean uh i mean if i make a plan if, if to I, go, if, if I, I go I, and i start buying barrels or barbed wire or something like starting to you know catch traction in performing that genocide sure but if i sit down and i was like you know if I was going to kill some people, this is how I'd do it. And I wrote that down. You're saying they See, should be that's arrested? that's a little bit different to me. If you're saying, like, if I were to want to, this is how I would do it, That that's that's a there's a fine line there. He's not saying that. He's, He's saying, actually saying if I have to, this well, is what i his do. But his definition of having to is is unhinged, right? His definition of having to is that the government continue to do what they're doing, um, which is saying that I am going to do this. Like he took it a step beyond this, this fictional possible realm to this is what I'm going to do. I mean, he even set an ultimatum. He's like, if mm -hmm. you guys don't label them a terrorist organization, mm -hmm. I will kill them all. And to me, that's, that's crossed into credible threat territory. Like we ought to be dealing with it. And I think he got off easy going through the red flag process than if he was prosecuted um, and and possibly jailed for a year or longer, uh, possibly with a felony and never been able to own guns again. Yeah. Like to me, this seems like a pretty good compromise as long as we yeah. apply it in these situations. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about another situation, right? Oh, and, and I'm sorry. I do have to mention this because I thought it was funny. Um, the Oregonian story also quotes Cofield uh, is being done with the whole business. Uh, he says the ex-Marine said he is done with attending protests or political demonstrations in Portland. He said, I have done everything I can possibly do to keep both sides from killing each other. As long as they keep duking it out like this, it will achieve nothing. And I'm going to tell you what, um, that last part, I think he's right. Yeah. I think you know he's what right I mean? Too. But, but I love the fact that, that this was his shot. <laughs> that was his shot at creating a better world. I can't believe he perceives him as being the one trying to keep the peace. I, he, he does. That's a little weird to me. He anyway, uh, so we'll move on yeah. uh, to Connecticut. Yeah, and their red one of one of their red flag uh, incidents yeah. on August fifteenth. Brandon Wagshaw was arrested for illegal possession of high capacity magazines after the FBI and Connecticut authorities executed a red flag or risk warrant at a house that he shared with his father. Yeah, and this was the culmination of, investi of an investigation that was launched after the FBI's National Threat Center received a tip from Wagshaw's aunt that he was attempting to purchase the magazines. Uh, in the course of their investigation, the FBI said they turned up social media posts indicating his fascination with committing a mass shooting and evidence that he was ordering parts online to construct his own rifle. Now, now here's the thing about this story, man. I, I read so many versions of what is in effect the same news article trying to get a feel for what exactly happened with Brandon Wagshaw. And, and this is kind of what it breaks down to. Um, he calls up his aunt and he says, Hey, uh, me and my buddy are going to build an AR 15. He said, uh, I'd like to order some high capacity magazines. They're illegal here in Connecticut. Can I have them sent to you? And, and she's she, in New Hampshire right? and she's in New Hampshire where they're right, perfectly where they're, legal. where they're legal, just right. across the state line. Um, she's like, hell no. And the reason she's like, hell no, is because Brandon uh, has been a troubled kid for quite some time. And she actually said, uh, Brandon uh, is, you know, acts out so much uh, that they stopped inviting him and his family over to Thanksgiving. Mm. Right? Like, so it's odd that he called her to begin with. Um, but anyway, then all these news stories do a couple things which are real weird. They all keep referring to this social media post. That the FBI allegedly found. And the that FBI they says used that to they get found. their risk warrant. And they said, yeah, it was a part of the risk warrant. They said um, that, you know, he had posts indicating his interest in committing a mass shooting. Uh, then they also said that since she had told him that uh, him and a friend were going to build this AR-15, um, they also used that as part of that he was ordering parts online to construct a rifle. So those three elements are, you know, what kind goes the into backbone. the risk warrant. Right. Then... When they go to the house and they execute the search warrant, the Washington Post said that they recovered a cache of weapons. Yes, they did. From his house. 
The other, other other articles said stockpile. Yeah, I think it was CNN said a stockpile of weapons from his house. And it wasn't until a couple weeks later that they really clarified what it was. So if you would, please tell us what they retrieved from his house. Sure. So police said a 40 caliber handgun and a 22 caliber rifle were found at his Bedford Avenue apartment. Get this. They belonged to his father. But his son had access to them. who he shares the apartment with. I mean, this was in his dad's home. Right. You know? In addition to the weapons, police said they found a rifle scope with a laser, uh, four firearm optic sights, a firearm flashlight, <laughs> a firearm flashlight. What yeah. is that? What oh, exactly well, like does it's that got look the attachment like? Attachment to go on to a, right. That's a know. normal flashlight, <laughs> yeah. and then an attachment for a yeah. firearm to put your normal flashlight onto your firearm. I don't right. think there's anything called a firearm flashlight anyway <laughs> leave that behind body armor with a titanium plate a full camouflage outfit uh-oh 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 you can't, Paris, can't Paris see me thought. can't yeah. see me yeah. uh a ballistic helmet tactical gloves a camouflage bag computers <gasps> look out and this sentence was repeated over and over and over in and, almost and every, every story, story i read and i'm gonna read it exactly as it appears and tell me if you think it sounds weird Numerous 40 caliber, 22 caliber, and 300 blackout rounds of ammunition. And when you say that, I think you've got numerous 40, uh, 40 caliber, numerous 22 caliber rounds, and then you have 300 rounds of something called blackout ammunition. Right. That's not the case. There is a little period in front of 300, uh, but it's, it's, it's 300 caliber right. blackout rounds. And, and they didn't have, he didn't have a rifle that yeah. fired these rounds. So I assume it wasn't a whole lot of them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was. It definitely wasn't 300. But that wording is maintained in every single story. And unless you know exactly what these rounds are, I think the average skimmer is going to think he had 300 rounds. Yeah. Anyway, and this, let's, let's go back to the 22 caliber rifle and the 40 caliber handgun. That's a squirrel constituting gun. a stockpile. Right. You know, Out, it, it just it just doesn't work. And like I said, it was outrageous. It was quite some time before any of the like in the initial articles, they were saying uh, some are believed to be owned by his father and stuff. Turns out they're all yeah, legally they're all registered his, his pops guns. and owned by his father. And it's a it's a freaking 22 rifle. Even the most staunch Democrat that's calling for banning of rifles is not calling for banning 20. That's like the one they're like, oh, we'll let you keep your 22. Yeah, we'll let yeah. you keep your squirrel rifle. Don't worry. And a 40 caliber handgun like that is that's a home defense weapon. It's not anything crazy. Yeah. Uh, there's millions of them. People own them all over the place. This if that constitutes a stockpile, then every single legal, legal gun owner in the United States has a stockpile of weapons. Yeah, I don't even know what computer. I mean, I mean computers. Com he had computers, you know. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. A camo bag. And and what really bugs me about this is that the attorney has been asking for this tweet, right? He's saying, yeah. "Let's get some discovery here. I'd like to see this tweet that the warrant was based on, and it still hasn't come to light." Yeah. There are, however, some of his old tweets. Well, and when I say old, <laughs> yeah. I mean really, really old. So that's that's what's interesting. When the affidavit and the warrants come out, um, or you know, it gets released on, you know, what they sought and got this risk warrant with, the only thing that's being reported is that when he was in the sixth grade, okay, this is back in two thousand and uh, two thousand and eight. And what is he I now? Mean, he's 22? Yeah, he's 22. So, yeah, it was 2008. Um, he told a kid he got mad at at school uh, that he would shoot the kid. And I think he said something along the lines of uh, Virginia Tech will have nothing on this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, two years later, he popped up on, you know, the FBI's, uh, you know, radar, I guess you could say, uh, because people called in when he was in eighth grade. Uh, he posted a picture on social media where he had what appeared to be two Uzis. And he changed his status to say, uh, I'm genocidal and planning a mass murder. Wow. Right. Which is terrible. Yeah. And Not should have been investigated yeah. right then and there. The problem is, is that's in 2010. It was. Uh, he was suspended from school. I mean, you know, he ended up going and seeing a psychiatrist. They found out that he's got uh, an issue. I forget exactly how they worded it, but it was a fancy way of saying he has a psychological problem with authority. Um and, you know, he's kind of been, he's had trouble here and there. But at no point is there a post, they keep referring to this post where he was, 
you know, interested in committing a mass murder, but they haven't turned it over yet. Right. And the attorney's like, hey, look, now, now one thing we failed to mention is they did find the high-capacity magazines when they did the search. Sure, in his car. So he Turns did out, end up traveling to New Hampshire yeah, and he buying order, the magazines. But he traveled to New Hampshire and got the magazines. But what the lawyer said, and I thought this quote was funny, he said, um, you know, like he said, he's like, give us discovery, show us this post. If it's just about the high capacity magazines, we'll deal with that in court. He said a lot of people in the state of Connecticut have high capacity magazines. This isn't something that he ordered off the dark web. He got it from Bass Pro Shop. Yeah, he like, literally <laughs> drove across the state line, got it from Bass Pro Shops and drove it back, which I have to yeah. say, it's a felony. Yeah. In Connecticut, yeah. it's a felony to transfer high capacity mags across state lines. And that's fine. Yeah. Try him for the felony. And he's been charged with those. But there's like there's a $250,000 bond because of this mass shooting angle. Right. And all this Not stuff. to mention, we have now stepped outside of the normal legal system and and used red flag laws in a way that that to me is abusive. I mean, yeah. whose whose guns got taken? The father's guns got taken. Right. Um, what what crimes was he committing or suspected of committing? Um, as far as we can tell, one of two things happened. The FBI is using 10-year-old social media posts to paint this guy as a possible school shooter, even though right. he's not even in school anymore. Yeah. Or they're holding it close to their chest and waiting for everyone to go blah, 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 before they drop the bomb and go, yeah. oh, no, here was the post. No one else has found the post. I suspect it's number one. I suspect it, they've used these, these yeah. old-ass posts to paint him as a terrorist. And to me, this illustrates the very worst of what we do with these red flag laws. Like, mm -hmm. this guy wasn't a threat. Sure, he was trying to build an AR-15, perfectly legal and Connecticut. Time, time I have out to just say, a second. Time out just a second. I am not willing, as much as I read, I am not willing to say that Brandon Wagshaw is completely not a threat. Okay. He he's got he's he's a weird dude. He's an edge sure. He's a shit poster. He is and, definitely and, and a shit say, poster. Who's to say if he crosses that line one day and goes full Christchurch? But what it does look like is it looks like the FBI wanted to bust somebody for high capacity magazines. They didn't know if he had them or not, so they used the social media post to get a red flag warrant, and sure enough, he had them. Right. You know what I mean? That's because, what I'm saying. They because have, they, they have didn't stepped know. outside of our our judicial system, which is designed to protect the innocent, and because they had a hunch. How many people? Um, how many people don't ever get their their day in in front of you know the public? How many people don't we know about? There are hundreds right. of these that have been executed so far in the state. And that's in the, what, year and a half, two years that these yeah. laws have been in effect. I think I read on Wikipedia that like the 200 287 in, in one state alone. So right. they're being used constantly and consistently. Um, and I have questions about whether they're being used appropriately. You know, yeah. on the one hand, we've got old Marine buddy where yeah. it's pretty clear that was an appropriate use. Yeah. On the other hand, we've got this guy. And to me, that's pretty clear that they have used the red flag system to escape due process. It's much murkier. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. I, I really don't want to underplay um, the media angle here, man. You, you kind of have to look at how these news stories hit because um, another thing that's really interesting about this case is they had apparently secured the warrant two weeks before the El Paso shooting weekend, right? The weekend where the El Paso shooting happened and uh, where was the other shooting in Dayton? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and then it was, uh, it was Thursday of that week before they executed the warrant, which is kind of, you know, it's kind of weird that they sat on it for two weeks if they thought it was an imminent threat of a right. mass the, shooting. Yeah. The you know red what I mean? flag is supposed to be. Another thing that kind of bugged me about it was, so they go up to, they go and interview his mom. And this is in the time between uh, when they get the tip from his aunt before they get the warrant. They go and interview his mom and they asked her, they said, do you think your son would commit a mass shooting? And she said, I don't think any parent would wants to think that about their child. And so the, the, that's a weird answer. It, it is a weird answer. But the sheriff that was there wrote into the affidavit or whatever. She didn't say no. And I saw news play. I saw reporting where that's all they put. They didn't put what she actually said, even though it was in the affidavit. <laughs> they put she was asked if her son would commit a mass shooting, and, and she, she wouldn't didn't say, say no. no. I, it's just this whole thing is weird, man. And it's like every time I'd open a new news story, I'd, I'd get another part or a piece, and nothing ever told the full story. And so I don't. I don't think there was a uh, you know a mass conspiracy, but I think 
something wonky happened. And I think the reporters can't get to the bottom of it because the FBI is kind of. You say there's not a mass conspiracy. I mean, on the part of journalists. No, that's that's what I mean. And then we get this sentence about, you know, numerous 40 caliber, 22 caliber and 300 blackout rounds of ammunition in every single story. But I think that's I think that's cold blooded, lazy journalism. I think they're copying and pasting every single editor overlooked that like these editors are trained on weasel words they know how to how to structure sentences to be to be effective communicators of the truth and this sentence is constructed to be deceptive and it made it through every single editor in every single outlet actually speaking of which what is blackout rounds oh they're just they're like m4 rounds it's just a it's a it's a type of it's a type of round like oh really like a caliber it's like oh. a 22 magnum you oh, know what wow. i'm saying it's I just as it's just a certain size and shape of bullet no oh, okay that's it yeah i mean it goes out. in an m4 ironically it goes in a in a real assault rifle an m4 yeah. which is fully automatic switchable to, to yeah. three round burst blackout sounds terrifying oh of you course know what I mean? it does and <laughs> yeah. that's why they called it a blackout round you know funny story actually this is something I and forgot. that's why they said 300 blackout rounds funny story about beto just go back to beto for a second when he was having his moment or whatever so after the whole deal with Briscoe kind of calmed down a little bit, later on he posts a picture of, uh, I believe it was like an M4 with a grenade attachment. And he's like, hell yes, we're going to take these away. And, you know, somebody was like, Bro, those are illegal. I hope you are buy those. <laughs> yeah, like it's already. <laughs> you should have been taking those away. Better. But, yeah, no, I mean, so I think I, I don't doubt that there is not a editor in the Northeast who is too worried about guns being portrayed in a negative light. You know what I mean? But I'm saying, like, I, I don't I know. Don't, I don't know if they're covering up this social media post for the FBI. I don't know, man. If if it was like, if it was two or three outlets, I might chalk it up to laziness. Yeah. Um, this looks like whoever was at the top of this story uh, wrote it that way to be inflammatory. And, and it came down from on high that you use that sentence in your piece. Yeah. I mean, I don't see any other way for it to be so prevalent over right. and over and over. It just, it, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> well, at any rate, I think it's like we said back when we did our episode about El Paso, I think we're um, both, and actually I thought until we did this episode uh, that you were more anti-red flag than you are. I think we're both okay with red flags, but damn, they make us nervous, right? It's it's funny when you say okay, it makes me bristle Yeah, because... Because it makes I'm, you nervous. Well, no. because I'm not okay with with the way it was used in Connecticut, right? And and I, there are so many hundreds of cases that have already that have already happened that we haven't heard about that journalists aren't reporting on. Yeah. So you know who is doing the work to make sure that they're being used appropriately? Do I trust our government and our justice system to use to use its resources appropriately? Hell Absolutely no. not. They've given me no reason to trust them. Yeah. So. I heard they do a pretty crappy job with the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, yeah, I'm okay with government when it's done right. I'm okay with the justice system when it's done right. It seems increasingly things are done wrong yeah. over and over and over. So yeah. that's where, <laughs> that's yeah. where so I'm at. <laughs> in theory, <laughs> we're okay with red flag laws. There hey, check go. this out. There you go. In theory, it yeah. makes sense. Ah, oh, that's. We have reached the end of the episode right there. Bada bing! And you know, actually, I'm 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 excited that we kind of ended on that because you know, you and I have come to the decision that I don't even know if we need, we don't need the fact so. checking segments. No. Yeah. I, I think you guys, the listeners, are tired of the fact checking segments. It just kind of drags the episode down. We need more so, comedy. So we do need more comedy. So in the interest of doing that, I think today. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna test something new out, and we're gonna we're gonna tell a few jokes, leave you guys with a few chuckles on the way out. Uh, I will go first. Beanzo's um, enough of a joke himself. So, <laughs> so uh, since uh, you know, I was out shopping the other day, and I saw an ad uh, in a window, and it said television one dollar. Uh, it's stuck on full volume, and I was like, well, how could I turn that down? I, I, come wow! I, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. All right, all right. What have you got? All right, so a guy walks into a talent agency with his wife, his son, his daughter. They even got the family dog with him. He's wearing a MAGA hat, right? And the talent agent looks... Buddies, buddies, time is short. I'm not sure how long I can keep this signal. Since in theory are full of shit, they're trying to ice your old buddy Beanzo out. 
don't let their lives win this contract negotiation. The wife, she's covered in sweat. Everyone is covered in sweat because how could you not be at this point? And, and she's breathing, like almost wheezing. She's been working. Oh, almost lost transmission. Since it's insane, UN troops have never confiscated guns on American soil. Theories over here citing Mother Jones as a reliable source. Neither of them know that you can absolutely legally buy an M4 with a Class 3 weapons license. The father looks directly into his daughter's eyes and you see the mix of pain and, and somehow pleasure streak across her face in this magic... <laughs> what could we ever charge Shane Cofield with? How about terroristic threatening, you no-talent hacks? Don't let these union-busting yahoos extinguish the beanzo-shaped beacon of truth that guides listeners through the stormy, deceit-filled waters of this show. Hell no, we won't go. Hell no. And the smell has brought tears to their eyes. He's holding the Taylor Swift poster. It's dripping with who knows what. And the talent agent looks at him and he says... So what do you call yourselves? The guy takes off his MAGA hat and says, The Aristocrats. You nasty mother. Hello, folks. This is Theory, one third of the Sense and Theory podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did making it, but I want to take a moment to remind you that the discussion doesn't end here. Pop on over to senseandtheorypodcast.com where you'll find all the necessary links to tell us how brilliant and or stupid we are on social media. If you like what we're doing here and want to help us with the crippling cost of all the writers in Beanzo's contract, check out our page at patreon.com slash If you can't chip in financially but still want to show your support, you can always rate and review us on iTunes or just tell your friends and family about us. Either way, thanks for listening and we'll see you in two weeks.